0: This is a Squeeze podcast, where your shortcut to being informed.
1: Good morning. This is Sport Today, your weekday sports news podcast that puts you ahead of the game. I'm Sam Ferris.
0: And I'm Lucy Watkin. It's Friday, the 15th of July.
1: In your sport today, the Tigers turn to a legendary trio. The Wallabies name a debutante. Cameron Smith is in contention at the Open. And the world's worst golfer. This is your sport today. We're going to start today with the NRL and the big news out of the West Tigers. Yesterday afternoon, the club announced that Tim Sheens, the man who led the Tigers to their only premiership in 2005, he's going to coach the club and his successor will be club legend Benji Marshall Luce. As a Tigers fan, this is very exciting.
0: Yeah, the band is getting back together. (laughs) and So the background here is that Sheens coached the club from 2003 to 2012, won the premiership in 2005, didn't leave on great terms, but time heals all wounds and he was brought back to the club last year to oversee the football department and support coach Michael Maguire. Sheens publicly backed Maguire despite the club's poor results, but with only three wins after 13 rounds, Sheens sacked Maguire. The club wanted Panthers assistant coach Cameron Seraldo as coach, but when he knocked them back, the Tigers made a deal with Sheens and Benji that'll last five years.
1: Yeah, so let's get to that deal now because it's a unique one we don't see very often in footy.
0: Now, appointing a coach and his successor at the same time, it's pretty rare. Sheens will take over as head coach from 2023 for two years with Benji and another club legend, Robbie Farah, on his staff. Benji will then take over as head coach from 2025 for three years. Now, he's got no NRL coaching experience, so the next two years will be really important for him learning off Sheens, who was his and Farah's coach from pretty much the start of their career rears the tigers are currently in last place but benji says he'll work hard back himself and bring change to the club
1: loose that's what us tigers fans want to hear it is another <laughs> big weekend of footy in both codes so if you've got to put your footy tips in check out the don't forget your tips podcast that'll give you that extra edge when it's time to put those tips in find it in your favorite podcast app and there are links to it in the show notes If you can't get enough of deciders after Wednesday night's state of origin epic in Brisbane, well, you're in luck. Uh, There are two big rugby union tests, either side of the Tasman Sea this weekend and loose. It looks like a couple of ex-leaguers might make their international debuts.
0: Yeah, a couple of code hoppers will be on the show tomorrow night. Former Melbourne Storm winger Suliasi Vunavalu is one of four changes for the Wallabies for their must-win third test against England at the SCG. Vunavalu was one of the best wingers during his time in the NRL, but made the switch to the Queensland Reds last year and will start on the bench for the Wallabies. Also starting on the bench, but for the All Blacks over in Wellington, will be Roger Tuvasa He was a superstar in the NRL. He actually won the Dally M medal as the league's best player in 2018 and has made the All Blacks team in just his first year playing rugby for the Blues. The All Blacks are playing Ireland and that series is one all as well.
1: Yep, it's all square in both series, so get ready for more decider drama. The All Blacks Island game kicks off at 5 p.m. Then it's the Wallabies and England at 7.55, both times Australian Eastern Standard Time, and you can watch them on Stan Sport. Today's trivia question brought to you by the Union Live app. Check that out for all your rugby scores, news, and stats. When was the very first time the Wallabies played at the SCG? We're going back a bit here, Luce. Uh, Give us a clue.
0: Going back a long time, it was in the 1800s. That
1: is a long time ago. Uh, Find out the answer (laughs) at the end of the show. It's a big weekend of AFL as per usual, but yesterday the league made a significant rule change to how it's dealing with COVID-19. Loose, the vaccine mandate has been lifted.
0: It's gone, but the AFL still strongly encourages the players to be vaccinated. The league set its vaccination mandate last year, which required players to be double-jabbed with an approved vaccination to train and play. It meant the likes of Carlton's Liam Jones and Saints AFLW player Georgia Petrikios effectively retired or were put on the inactive list because they chose to remain unvaccinated. But now that the mandate has been lifted, there have been reports Carlton is back in talks with Jones and he could return this year for the Blues, who are in fifth place on the ladder. The AFL says it's lifting the mandate to be consistent with state and territory rules and regulations around COVID.
1: Yeah, and Jones could be a big in for the Blues if he does return. Uh, Round 18 kicks off tonight at Marvel Stadium with the Bulldogs playing the Saints, but the big one is first versus fifth. Cats versus Blues on Saturday night should be a cracker. Those of you who tuned in yesterday will remember us saying that the Hockey Roos were playing their World Cup quarterfinal against Spain. The good news is they won.
0: They sure did. They beat tournament host Spain 2-0 yesterday morning. That means that they're through to the semi finals where they'll play the Netherlands. The Hockey Roos... Couldn't have asked for a better start, Renee Taylor scored in the third minute with a drilled shot from a penalty corner, and then she did the same again in the 41st minute, but this time she took the aerial route. That's how the score finished, and it means Australia are through to the semi-final stage for the seventh time in eight years. But they're coming up against the Dutch, who beat them in the semis at the last World Cup in 2018 and the final in 2014.
1: So what you're telling us, Luce, is that this is a revenge game <laughs> for the Hockey Roos. Uh, the semifinal is on at 2.30 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on Sunday morning. And if they win, they'll play the winner of Germany and Argentina in the final at 5.30 a.m. on Monday morning. Set your alarm clocks now. The last men's golf major of the year, the British Open teed off yesterday afternoon and the massive first round is still going as we record today's episode for you. But we can tell you Aussie Cameron Smith is right in contention.
0: Yes, yeah, Smith had his radar working on the greens in the opening round at St. Andrews. He drained a monster putt for Birdie on the second hole and was consistently smooth with his putter in the opening round of 67. That puts him five under, three shots back from first round leader, Cameron Young of the US, and in between them is Rory McElroy at 6 under. There was a slight injury scare for Smith on the 14th. He grabbed the back of his knee, but later said he hyperextended it and was fine after a few holes. He said, and here's his quote. I'm a Queensland man. I'll get over that pretty quick. <laughs> Sounds like one of those Queenslanders from Wednesday night. Hey, Sam.
1: Uh, you just had to go there, didn't you, Luce? I thought we were <laughs> going to talk about that anymore. Anyway, Brad Kennedy at four under in Minwoo Lee at minus three are the next best placed Aussies. The Open resumes at 3.30 p.m. this Arvo on Foxtel and KO. Seeing as it is the 150th year of the British Open, we thought we'd share a story about one of the more infamous players who tried to have a crack at winning the Claret Jug. He's a man that goes by many names, but his real one is Maurice Flitcroft, and he was once known as the world's worst golfer.
0: So, this is another one of those unbelievable but true stories. So, in 1974, Flitcroft watched a golf tournament on TV and after reading up on the British Open, thought he could win it. It's worth mentioning he didn't own any clubs, hadn't played golf and was 45 years old. But after some practice, he set about qualifying for the 1976 Open. Things... As you can imagine Didn't go well And he shot 121 Or 49 over par Fair to say He didn't qualify And was actually banned From playing But he didn't give up He entered other qualifying events Under aliases Like Gene Pachecki Gerald Hoppy Arnold Palmtree And Count Manfred Von Hoffmann Stahl His last attempt Was in 1990 But officials stopped him On the third hole Where he said He was actually a good chance Of making par
1: <laughs> oh, Count Manfred von Hoffmanstall. That's got to be one of the great aliases ever. <laughs> what a story, Luce, and it's all incredibly true. I've put the full story. There's even more to it in the episode notes because you got to check it out. We are running out of show for this week on Sport Today, but before we go, Luce, what are you watching this weekend?
0: Well, the Women's Euros is still happening over in England, and it's the last round of qualifying in the group stage.
1: It's a huge tournament. We've already seen some incredible athleticism over there. So stay tuned for that. You can watch it all on Optus Sport. Uh, as for today's trivia question brought to you by the Union Live app, when was the very first time the Wallabies played at the SCG, uh, Loose, It's a while ago.
0: Went all the way back to the 1800s, 1899 to be exact.
1: 1899, the Wallabies beat the British Isles 13 to three. That was actually their first ever Test match, and Saturday will be Test number 657. Uh, all right, that is us done for this week on Sport Today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really, really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Watch heaps of sports, and we'll catch you again on Monday.